Welcome to My Fair Katie, a film review podcast. I, Katie Schimmick, will watch movies with my dad. That'd be me, Scott Schimmick. Together we will dive into sometimes deep but hopefully always fun discussions of classics films. Today's movie is Dark Victory. Made in 1939, Dark Victory is a tragic love story. Betty Davis plays the main character, Judy Traherne. George Brent plays the doctor that Judith falls in love with, Dr. Frederick Steele. Judith's horse trainer, Michael O'Leary, is played by Humphrey Bogart. Ronald Reagan plays the drunk friend and socialite Alex. Have you ever seen Ronald Reagan in a movie before? No. Have you ever seen a president in a movie before? Last but not least, Geraldine Fitzgerald plays Anne King, Judith's best friend and assistant. Wealthy young socialite Judy Treherne spends her time riding horses and attending parties. While she has many friends, none of them are very close, except Anne. Judy is hiding her headaches and failing vision, which are becoming worse. Judy sees double and tries to make the wrong jump. She is hurt and the family doctor believes her to be seriously ill. He sends her to see Dr. Frederick Steele, a neurologist. Judy refuses until she falls down the stairs. There's a lot of people falling downstairs and falling off horses this I season. Know, right? Right? Like Scarlet fell down the stairs. Like four people and gone the wind fell off horses. Fell off horses. <laughs> Stagecoach people falling off horses. Yeah. A lot of people fainting too. Oh yeah, well, that was a thing back then I think. Although Dr. Steele is closing his office to move to Vermont, he makes time to see Judy. After reviewing the x-rays, Dr. Steele decides that Judy needs immediate surgery. Although Dr. Steele discovers that the growth is a malignant brain tumor, he tells her that she will be fine. Anne knows the doctor is holding something back, and at last he tells her the truth. They both agree that Judy should not know, even though she only has a few months to live. Dr. Steele reveals that she won't be in any pain and that when she starts losing her eyesight, the end is very near. Like imminent, right? Like hours, he said. (laughs) In the last few hours, she'll lose her eyesight. Sounds like a brain cloud. Well, we have to watch that movie one day. It's Joe versus the Volcano. It stars Tom Hanks. (laughs) It's a cult classic. Anyway, back to the story. The two admit their feelings for each other and make plans to marry. Judy visits the doctor's office and she peeks into her medical file. To her horror, she learns that her case is considered prognosis negative. You know, I have to say, there's this uh, Seinfeld thing where they're going to a movie and it's prognosis negative and George says it like that all the time. And it's just really funny. And every time she would say prognosis negative, I would just see George Costanza going, prognosis (laughs) negative. (laughs) It kind of took me out of the movie there for a little bit in the second act. Anyway, Judy runs from the office and confronts the doctor, thinking he only wants to marry her out of pity. Judy spirals into her old life of partying and drinking. Her horse trainer, Michael O'Leary, who is secretly in love with her, kisses her and asks her to forget Dr. Steele. This is her rock bottom. Kissing Humphrey Bogart is her rock bottom. (laughs) Uh, Don't tell that to Lauren Bacall. Judy realizes that she can never forget Dr. Steele. Alec invites Dr. Steele to his apartment for a drink. They discuss Judy. And Contras. 
the Contras, the rebels in Nicaragua. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Oh, sorry. That was President Reagan. Alec has loved her for years, but he can't help her now. Just then, the bell rings and it's Judy. He came to talk to Alex and is surprised to see Dr. Steele. She apologizes and they decide to carry out their original plan to move to Vermont and marry. Three months later, Judy is still feeling well and is very happy in her marriage. Anne comes for a visit. Dr. Steele is going to a medical conference in New York and Judy is expecting to go with him. But while outside helping Anne plant flowers, she remarks a storm that must be brewing and it's getting dark. Anne instantly knows what's happening, and Judy realizes it too. She orders Anne to say nothing to Dr. Steele, that he must take the trip because it is important. They go inside, and Judy tells Dr. Steele that she changed her mind about accompanying him. After he departs, Judy goes inside. At the door, she says that she wants to be alone and asks Anne to leave for a while. Anne runs off the road, unable to hold back her tears. Judy lies down peacefully, awaiting her death. Alright, so this is the first movie of the podcast that wasn't in the top 100 movies of all time. But, AFI ranks it as the number 32 love story. I can kind of see that. Yeah, I can totally see that. I'm guessing that would have put it right off the top 100 list then. If it was the number 32 love story. Rotten Tomatoes gives it an 86%. Popcorn ratings 81. IMDb at a 7.4. That's not so hot. But the IMDb Raiders are more about recency. Oh. That's how Shawshank gets to be the number one movie. It had to be the most popular movies made when IMDb came out. Oh. And for the Oscars, it was nominated for Outstanding Production. Best Picture. Obviously didn't win. <laughs> Gone with the Wind. It was nominated for Best Actress for Betty Davis. Who won? No, Vivian Lee won for Gone oh, with the Wind. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> And it was nominated for Best Score. It did have a really good score, by the way. Oh, yeah, it was pretty good. Yeah, the violin that was playing a lot really yeah. heightened the emotion throughout the movie. It did. Earmuffs, nothing really to worry about in this one. Lots of drinking. Some kissing. You know, there was smoking. And I was surprised that Betty Davis wasn't actually smoking. She wasn't actually smoking? No, maybe I should save that for nitpicks. I'm going to save that one. All right, so let's talk about the hero of the movie. Who was the hero? I think it was the doctor because he made Judy find love and probably made those months that she had left to live, like, worthwhile. Who do you think it was? I guess Judy. (laughs) Just from a storytelling perspective, it was clearly Judy was the protagonist. We don't find out anything in the movie that's not something Judy knows, except for a couple side conversations. And you know the whole thing, that she doesn't... Like, that she only has, like, a couple months to live. Yeah, right, but that's a story about Judy. We don't know anything about Anne. We don't know anything about Dr. Steele, except for what Judy knows. I know, but what did she do that makes her the hero? Well, she's the protagonist. She's the main character. I'm still going with the doctor. (laughs) Well, let's talk about Judy, though, since... From a storytelling perspective, she's the protagonist. Okay. Well, we could talk about them both. Okay. Okay. So, was Dr. Steele really a good guy? He did lie to Judy. He did. And that's that's where I was going to ask you about. Was that a good lie or a bad lie? Kind of both, because he was kind of protecting her 
from knowing that she only has 10 months to live. And I guess he kind of thought that maybe um, she would, like, only think about it for the 10 months and be sad. But also it could be a good lie because he was trying to save her, too, from not knowing that. Would you rather know or not know? Not know. It's a tough one. Like a philosophical question. Would you live your life differently? I'm assuming you would. You would live your life differently if you knew or if you didn't know. But if you were going to die in six months and you didn't know, you'd just be living your life. Oh. Every day. I know, but you would be get really sad. She, though, she like changed her life after the surgery because she felt like she had a new life and she needed to live it. Yeah. But, you know, a lot of people, if they didn't know they were going to be dead in six months, they would be living their same boring life. Waiting for something to happen to them. Oh, yeah. I guess we're skipping ahead to the message of the movie. But then you might get, like, depressed and not, like, do anything because you only have six months left to live. I know. I know. It's a tough one. Or you can go out with a bang. I mean, fortunately for her, she wasn't going to feel any pain or... (laughs) It was just so convenient that her brain tumor was, like... She was going to be perfectly fine until, like, half an hour before she died. She would go blind. (laughs) That's the way I want to go. I don't want to know anything about it. And then just like half an hour before, peace comes over me with a darkness. Darkness of like eyesight, not darkness of like, you know, existential darkness. And then just, I'm going to lay down now. That would be nice, wouldn't it? Oh no, you're not going to start crying, are you? (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Uh Uh-oh. (laughs) <laughs> well let's let's skip to, to Judy what about the choices she made good she made good choices yeah. what about when she found out that she was actually going to die because she got mad at the doctor do you want to take a moment yeah <laughs> So what about Judy's choices? Did she make good choices in the movie? Yes, except for the fact that um, when she found out that she only had a couple months to live, she got mad at the doctor, which I feel like wasn't a good choice because he was only trying to protect her. Yeah, I think she was hurt, though, because yeah. he was... She, I can see her point that she was... It was, um, like, her right to know. Yeah, definitely. But I was just thinking from the marriage perspective, like... He just felt sorry for her, and she didn't really. He didn't really love her. He oh. just, yeah. Oh, okay. I'll marry you because we only have six months left to live. So okay, I'll just marry you and get it over with. You know, you don't know any better. <laughs> Is that what he was doing? No. No, you think he really did love her? Yeah, because. Which is totally inappropriate, by the way. Hi. Oh, sorry. I'll get that to nitpicking too. Uh, you shouldn't fall in love with your patients. Oh, yeah. I'm ruining my nitpicking. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> All right, just because you're a bad guy doesn't mean you have to be a bad guy. So who's the bad guy in the movie? The brain tumor. The brain tumor, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> did the brain tumor have a point? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it just wanted to be a tumor. <laughs> Not its fault. It was just doing its job. 
<laughs> I don't know who the bad guy is. I think it's the brain tumor. Yeah. <laughs> Unless you want to say it's Humphrey Bogart. What was with that? How do you put Humphrey Bogart in a movie and he only has like five minutes of screen time? I know, right? And he's the one who's... Uh, Getting rejected. Right. <laughs> and Ronald Reagan, too. Well, Ronald Reagan wasn't like a big, huge movie star. I mean, he was in lots of movies, but he wasn't... Like, the main character of every movie, like Humphrey Bogart. Yeah, like Humphrey Bogart. How would Humphrey Bogart be the bad guy? I don't know, but when she kissed him, she's like, I can't take it anymore. This is just too awful. (laughs) (laughs) Now, I'll be honest with you. I don't get the appeal to Humphrey Bogart. I mean, I love... I think he's great. But he's not. He's not very handsome. <laughs> well, I'm just saying. <laughs> I mean, 1939, Ronald Reagan, much more handsome. He didn't even look like Ronald Reagan, like as a president. I know it's he, weird. It looks like he had blonde hair too. It was kind of blondish. He claims to not have dyed his hair when he was president. That that was his hair. It was black, dark brown. I don't know. Well, maybe like your hair. Yeah. I remember the first time I saw uh, President Reagan in a movie. He was president at the time. And my dad was watching a movie. And he was playing a bank robber. (laughs) And he he didn't tell me. He's like, hey, do you recognize this guy? And I'm watching it. I'm like, oh, he looks really familiar. (laughs) He was so young. And he was a bank robber. (laughs) (laughs) Like and um, he wasn't wearing a blue suit with a red tie because that's all he ever wore, or a cowboy outfit. I guess like he didn't know that he was going to be a president, so he couldn't say no to that like movie deal. No, I mean he was an actor. But I just—it's funny you see him, and you knew he was president because I said, yeah, "Hey, that's Ronald Reagan." But when he was president, I didn't recognize him. I was probably about your age. It was funny. How do you not know what the president looks like? Well, I guess Donald Trump wouldn't look the same as he. A young Donald Trump from like when he was like thirty. He would probably be like way paler. <laughs> I wonder what his hair looked like when he was thirty. I, you can't whisper on the podcast. Can you really. cut that out? Because I don't want to be rude. You don't want to be rude about the president. Yeah. <laughs> You're the only person in America. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right let's talk about the setting what was the setting of the movie took place in long island yeah and then vermont, vermont. a little bit in manhattan was the setting important to the story vermont was why was vermont important to the story and i guess new york city too because maybe the doctor just wanted to get away from everything And she loved him so much that she was willing to do that. Was the doctor studying cow brains? Cow. (laughs) (laughs) You're quick on that one. (laughs) Maybe the doctor just really loved cheese. (laughs) Like, who goes to Vermont to do research? Right. So, craft work of the movie. Cinematography? Filming? What do you think? There was nothing special about it, but it wasn't bad. No, it wasn't bad. 
seemed pretty straightforward though. Yeah. Very classic. Nothing exciting. Um, the music. We talked about the score. You like the score? The violin. The violins were very pretty. The costumes. Judith had a lot of clothes. Yeah, but she like, was... what was about that? Like when she went to that party. <laughs> Did you see the outfit? Which one? Like after she had surgery. Do you remember that? <laughs> it was kind of. Um, it was interesting. <laughs> like her hats. Yeah, they were sparkly and they were distracting. Yeah, and they looked like an elf hat. <laughs> you could see like the puffs like of her hair too. The hair that wasn't there. Yeah. <laughs> okay. It wasn't nominated for an Oscar for costume design. We now we know why. All right, nitpicking. What do you have nitpicking? Why? You're probably gonna solve it, but like she died like five minutes after he left. Why couldn't he have just stayed? Well, she didn't want him to know. Remember, she sent him away. She was trying to protect him, like he had protected her. Oh. I would want to be there, like, if somebody died. Like, if my wife died, or my husband died. I would want to be there to see, like, last words. Yeah. And, like, he could have said, like, something. Like, what if they had an argument? And then they were, like... He probably would have, like, said maybe things, nicer things. He wasn't rude. He probably just would have... Maybe talk to her more before he left if he, he knew that she was going to die. Yeah, he wouldn't have left. And he would have made it drama. <laughs> right? Like she did when she found out. Remember the drama she had? Yeah. <laughs> she got tanked. What? Drunk. Oh. Really drunk. Oh. Oh. You have, like, five nitpicks. Well, I already kind of ruined them. What about unanswered questions? What happened to everybody else? <laughs> yeah, and it's always an unanswered question. I wonder if the horse won. Remember, yeah, champion. Yeah, remember when she was like, he was going to win, and if he wins, then throw a big party with all my friends. And then oh, yeah. we don't ever find out. I would have liked to know if he won. It seemed like that was the whole, like... A big motivation for her was the stupid horse that she was convinced was going to win. <laughs> that she drove through a fence. Well, wonder... it was kind of good if she drove through the fence because then that kind of convinced her, like a little bit, that oh, I'd probably go to the doctor, or convince the people around her to convince her to go to the doctor. I wonder if horses would really do that. Like, would a horse really go through a fence just because you tried to steer it? Seems like it would just kind of stop, kick you off. Yeah. Like, you don't know what you're doing. <laughs> I'll wait for somebody else. I mean, I guess they do, because they showed it, and it did. Did he go through a fence, or did he just, like, stop and she? No, it crashed through the fence and fell down. Oh. Not a good year for horses. No. No. I mean, not as bad as Ben-Hur, but not a good year for horses. There's ben Oh, we'll watch Ben-Hur with the chariot scene. What other unanswered questions are there? Whatever happened to uh, Michael O'Leary? Yeah. Like, I wonder if he got married and found somebody nice. What about Alec? Maybe he became president. <laughs> uh, I wonder if uh, 
I wonder if Michael O'Leary switched jobs, became a detective. <laughs> or maybe he moved to Morocco, opened a bar. We'll never know. It's an unanswered question. And the Katie goes to. Time for our awards. The Cherry Limeade Award, the award for the best part of the movie you can watch every day. My nominees, Betty Davis's Side Eye. Oh, nitpicking. I do want to step back to nitpicking. Okay, the Betty Davis thing just reminded me of that one. Oh. That I was bringing up. She didn't smoke. She didn't smoke. She doesn't smoke. Really? Yeah, like Betty Davis is famous for her smoking, and yet in this movie she wasn't smoking. She would she would always have a cigarette, and she would puff, just blowing it out. Maybe she was trying to quit. <laughs> well, she did a very good job. It drives me nuts. And, like, people still do that in movies. They pretend to smoke. Like, it's not going to kill you to have half a cigarette. Just inhale it a little bit. Well, like, Children, don't do that. Yeah, that's don't what I was smoke. just going to say. I, I can't believe I said that to like, my daughter. <laughs> that's what I was going to say. Like, what about, like, young actors? <sighs> Playing like a rebellious teen. <laughs> uh, smoking is terrible. No one should ever smoke. But Betty Davis was not very good at pretending like she wasn't smoking. All right. Number two, Humphrey Bogart. He only had, like we said, just a little tiny bit. But he was, he was way better than any other male actress in the movie. And then the third thing is score. Do you have any other nominees? I was going to say the end scene, but that makes you cry, so no. When, like, she can, like, when the doctor leaves. You want to watch that over and over every day. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so that's not a good nominee. This is our You Could Watch It Every Day nominee. Betty Davis has side eye. Okay, that's that's a good one. She has very thin eyebrows. Vivian Lee has, like, good eyebrows, and they're, like, really thick. But wasn't it? Like, the style back then to have super thin eyebrows? I don't know. But Betty Davis was very expressive with her eyes. She made a whole career out of her eyes. Yeah, like that. (laughs) (laughs) All right, not a category we do every time, uh, because we don't have nominees. But this is our Sly Stallone and Margaret Award. It's for the best-looking person in the movie. Humphrey Bogart. (laughs) (laughs) Ronald Reagan or Geraldine Fitzgerald? Ronald Reagan. And he was handsome, wasn't he? Yeah. It's so funny because I just think of him as being an 80-year-old man, but he was a <laughs> handsome young man. I guess that's why he was a movie actor. <laughs> All right. The Odessa Stairs Award. So this is for the best scene. There's the horse jumping scene where she falls off the horse. The scene with Humphrey Bogart where she hits rock bottom. Yeah, that was a good scene. Humphrey Bogart and her were the only two really good actors in the whole movie. And I'm including Ronald Reagan. <laughs> Burn. Burn Ronald Reagan. The third nominee is climbing the stairs at the end. She did that so externally. Well, I guess she was losing her eyes. But she was like grabbing onto the railing. Yeah. Like. I was surprised that she didn't go over the top with it. I thought she actually played it really. Yeah. I thought it was pretty on point. <laughs> I know it's a terrible phrase. <laughs> but I was afraid she was going to go way over the top with it. And make it overly dramatic. 
Wait, there's a song about Betty Davis's eyes. There is a song about Betty Davis's eyes. <laughs> That's why she's very expressive. Yes. Yes. What was the first one? Okay, so they were the horse jumping scene. No. The rock bottom scene with Bogey. <laughs> and the climbing the stairs at the end. The rock bottom scene with Bogey. That was a good scene. It was a good thing. Okay. All right, our <laughs> This Goes to Eleven award. I only have one nominee. The whole scene with the prognosis negative. Do you have any other over-the-top moments? No. No. So the Katie goes to prognosis negative. <laughs> <laughs> All right, the McDonald's French Fries Award. The award for the most delicious side. I Ronald Reagan. Okay. <laughs> so the Katie goes to Ronald Reagan? Yeah. <laughs> okay. I'm not even going to give the other nominees then. All right. It's the Pictures That Got Small Award. All right, here are the quotes I got. I've never taken orders from anyone. As long as I live, I'll never take orders from anyone. I'm young and strong, and nothing can touch me. Who said that? Well, Judy. Obviously. Yeah. Okay. This, this was a good one. So this is actually not just one line. It's uh, a conversation about Vermont. When he, the doctor tells Judy he's going to Vermont, she says, You don't mean that narrow, pinched-up state on the wrong side of Boston. That's the one. No kidding. No kidding. <laughs> what will you do between yawns? It's <laughs> a pretty funny one. All right, I got two more. This one is Humphrey Bogart, because, you know, you got to have something for him. It's the fighting that counts. You've got to have action in your life, same as I do. We only live once, Miss Judith. Just once. That goes along with, like, the theme of the movie. It really does. That's why I liked it. All right, and then I got uh, one more. Nothing can hurt us now. What we have can't be destroyed. That's our victory. Our victory over the dark. It's a victory because we're not afraid. I like the last one. That's kind of that's where the title comes from. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, when I heard the title, and I did before I read what it was about, I thought, oh, this is uh, this is like some spy thriller movie or something. <laughs> it does not sound like it would be a love story. Dark yeah. victory. Dark victory. It sounds like a submarine movie. <laughs> All right, so which one's the winner? And the Katie goes to Nothing Can Hurt Us Now. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. Who won the movie? Judith. Oh, I was thinking the brain tumor, but if it's Judith. Are you kidding? That's kind of mean. It is kind of mean, but it's kind of true. <laughs> the tumor did win. Wait, I got a better one. What? Love. That's why I said Judith. Oh. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> All right, R S P E C T. Should no. this movie be remade? <laughs> no, but it did remind me like of a lot of movies, kind of. Yeah, this totally should be remade. They'd have to tamp it down a little bit. You oh, know, the yeah. whole falling in love right away thing. Yeah, true. That's tough, and the whole moving to Vermont thing. It should be with a different person other than the doctor, though. Because you're not supposed to, like... Yeah, that's unethical. Yeah. But she was his last patient, so I guess... Oh, yeah, I guess. <laughs> what, a pl- what a nice excuse. Like, oh, it's my last patient, so I guess I'll just fall over with her as soon as she's cured. But she wasn't cured. Well, as soon as the is over. <laughs> what other changes would you make if you remade it? Would you change the setting? You could set it just about anywhere. Yeah. 
Kansas would be funnier. <laughs> you you want to make it into a comedy? <laughs> <laughs> it would be a good comedy, wouldn't it? Yeah. All right. A new category. One that we should have started from the beginning, so we might do a little bit of backtracking here. This one's called Want to Have a Catch. What? This is our scale of 0 to 10 on the cryability of the movie. Want to have a catch? Do you remember what that's from? No. Oh. <gasps> don't cry now. Don't don't cry. Don't. You were crying too. Don't cry now, I said. You were you were crying too. How could you not? <laughs> Do you want to tell? Yeah, it's from Field of Dreams. He never got to play catch with his dad until the end. Uh oh. Okay, so that would be a ten. Right? Yeah. We agree that one's a 10. <laughs> All right. And then, let's say, uh, Mr. Smith Goes to Washington is a zero. <laughs> Actually, no, I'd give it like a two. Oh. I like like patriotic pride crying. Oh, yeah. There's lots of different kinds of crying. There's there's the want to have a catch dad crying. There's the, the montage scene from Up crying. There's the Brian Piccolo so- dying crying. And maybe that's so bad, crying, because he wanted to be over. (laughs) (laughs) There's the patriotic crying of Mr. Smith where you just well up with pride. People dying and, like, every single person dying and Gone with the Wind crying. Yeah. Okay, so Gone with the Wind, 0 to 10. 8. 8? Yeah. Okay. Uh, Mr. Smith? 3. 3? No, 1. 2. Just take the average. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> okay, how about stagecoach? Zero. Zero? What was their sad? Uh, I guess some people did die, but they were kind of annoying. <laughs> Zero. Okay, how about Wizard of Oz? Zero, because they were all happy at the Even end. Even when the witch died? She was mean. Was she mean? Yes. She I mean... She was threatening to take away a dog. Yeah, of the person who murdered her sister. Murdered her sister. It was an accident. Listen, if somebody murdered your sister, I hope you would be more upset than just trying to take somebody's dog. Okay, now we're going into how much you hate Wizard of Oz again. Okay. (laughs) I'm on the witch's side, and I've never seen Wicked, so I think the witch has a point. But, so that one's a zero. So now that we're all caught up with our cryability ratings, Dark Victory, 0 to 10. Well, the actual movie itself was like a 5. A 5? I don't know. I'm going to say that if I weighed the tears you cried after this movie. Well, I mean, like, the actual movie itself was 5, but then I started thinking about it. Like, one of my family members like got a brain tumor, and then that made it to, like, an 8. <laughs> uh. It's okay. We don't have a brain tumor. And if we do, I'll go see Dr. Steele. He'll fix us. Yeah, fix Judith. Yeah. I won't go to Dr. Steele is what I meant. Okay. <laughs> All right, that's a wrap. Brief takeaways from the movie. So my brief takeaway, never heard of this movie really until we started research in 1939. First full movie I've seen with President Reagan in it. So that was fun. Humphrey Bogart's worst movie that I've ever seen. <laughs> Betty Davis's best movie that I've ever seen. Well, I don't know. 
I take that back. I completely take that back. I was thinking about whatever happened to Baby Jane. This is brief. Come on. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I haven't even gotten to the point yet. My brief takeaway is, it was pretty good. Totally should be remade. It could be a powerful story, but it was kind of cheesy for that era. And too quick. They moved it too quick. Yeah. I I think it was pretty good. What do you think? Um, I thought it was really good, and the lesson that I got from it was it's better to live, like, live in love for a while than it is to, like, be miserable for the rest of your life. You know, there's a saying. What? It's better to have loved and lost than never have loved at all. That's kind of sad. But true. But true. So do you recommend the movie? Yes. To everyone? Yeah. Do you Is really it? recommend this movie? Yeah, because I might remind people that, like, you don't have forever to live, so you might as well, because you don't know when you're going to die. So you might as well just, like, make your life count. So she should skip the movie then and go for a hike? (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Only an hour and a half. It wasn't that long of a movie. No. All right, Katie, see, that's a wrap. That's a wrap. (laughs)